Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. <sighs> The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Dear Media Original Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Wine Face, where we're breaking down everything the experts know about wine in a fun, digestible, and accessible way. Because wine is for enjoying and wine is for everyone. I'm your host, Helen Johannesson from Helen's Wines in beautiful Los Angeles, California. And we're back. We're back, baby. Okay. We're back with a big splash. I am so excited about this episode. I think you're really going to love it. It is just mind blowing and stimulating. I have a woman on who is from a generation of incredible winemakers at Emilio Pepe, Chiara Pepe, the granddaughter of Emilio, who now is the head winemaker and head of vinification at the estate, is on the podcast in real life with me today. She's incredible. She's a force. She is not only brilliant and tapped into what is happening, not only with our climate, but our earth, but how to push it forward and how to find some success in that. So I really hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. And I'll let you know when these wines are back in stock. They're a little special, but everyone should try it, I think. All right. Chiara Pepe. Chiara, thank you so much for coming on Wine Face. This is so exciting. Thank you for having me. It is like so rare that I'm able to capture having 
the actual winemakers, especially from Europe, in person, in the flesh. <laughs> so awesome. this is a treat for me. I want to thank you so much for taking the time. Well, thanks for having me. So you basically are making and running the show for literally one of the best wines in the world, in my opinion, and has been my opinion for so long. I've been buying this wine for so long. It's so, so special. Can you tell us a little bit about, I mean, I know a lot of this, but I think everyone's minds are going to explode. Mm-hmm. You're in Abruzzo in Italy. Can you speak a little bit about like, where is the, the brief history of your family and what's happening? What is a Medio right. Pepe? Yeah. <laughs> we are in Abruzzo, in the northeast part of Abruzzo, very close to the Adriatic Sea. Mm. That's where my grandfather was born. And that's where they've been there for three generations before him. So we still live in the same spot where... Same house. Same house. Same everything. Same everything. So grandfather together with this family have been taking care of the landscape around that place for many years already. And I think that has a lot to do with the care and the sense of place and the sense of belonging that Mm. comes afterwards because the roots of our family have been in that place for many, many years before me even. So grandfather started back in 1964. Mm. Grandma and granddad doing (laughs) the whole thing. They started with four actors only. And And the grapes were already planted. Yeah, because grandfather's grandfather had already... It's going way back. OG. Yeah. (laughs) So So your great-great-grandfather. Yeah. Planted. Planted. And then we're making some wine for the house. Ah, <laughs> so when grandfather started, he basically already had some vineyard planted in front of the house and already kind of knew he was familiar with the process of winemaking because they were making it in within the family. So when he started to bottle wine, because before it was bulk for the family, he kind of knew the process and he wanted to respect that sort of tradition that mm was the craft of making wine at Pepe family before being Pepe brand. Everyone's right? trying to come have dinner at their house. <laughs> like, we just want to have still wine. Yeah. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> so grandfather started making wine at grand floor of his house. Wow. And then when he had a little bit of money, he decided to build not a production seller because he could keep making the wine at the bottom of his house. <laughs> but he built an aging cellar. He oh. needed a cold, dark, and humid space where to age his wine. So the idea of long-term aging was like a certain inner instinct from the very first beginning for him. Mm. He always thought that in order for his wines to perform in the way that he had them in mind, they needed time. So it's always been a cornerstone. Yeah. It's like yeah. Eight, Thing long that, aging. You know, First seller that he ever built was an aging seller. And it's and as you badass. <laughs> for Abruzzo that yeah. nobody had aged those wines before. And also, you know, that seller took a while to be filled up <laughs> because four actors at first and so production stayed small for probably I would say the first twenty years. So you could only age as much aside and leave those bottles for the long-term aging. So it was definitely a slow process to start, but he was so convinced. And like, if you ask him, he just said that, you know, he would say that he felt it, that his wines needed age. It was a vibe. It was a thing. So for how many years was it only in Italy before his wines were exported outside? He started to export 
quite early on because the wines weren't suddenly and quickly understood in Italy. You know, he started in 1964. That's such a trend, especially yeah. now too, with so many mm. wines in different countries. They get exported and then mm, they come back. Then they come back. And everyone's yeah. like, yeah. But the thing was that, so he started in 1964, but mid 70s already was the time of industrialization in the wine business. Right. So there was this tension to expansion that grandfather didn't feel. Mm. So everybody, it was the moment of industrialization. So everything had to move fast. Everything was chemical and everything was hyper-filtered. And grandfather really didn't belong to that belief. Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> so people weren't really convinced why he wasn't taking certain, certain choices mm -hmm. and why he wasn't doing certain things. So basically he was forced in some sort to export because there people kind of understood the reason why he didn't want to expand. He didn't want to get bigger. He didn't want to fertilize his soils or, you know, use selected yeast. So people kind of perceived this authenticity as the real thing. And so people were excited about his wines outside of Italy before Italy. Okay. And so just to back up, the grape varietals. It's Montepulciano yes. for the reds. Yeah. And then you make white wine, Trebbiano yeah. and Pecorino. Indeed. And it has always been that way. Yeah. Pecorino arrived the last. So initially started with Trebbiano and Montepulciano. Which is classic. Classic. It's OG. Indigenous. It goes with that uh, yeah, area. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. And did he set a tone for how he produced his Montepulciano that was resonating differently? Like, how would you say? Oh, yeah, because I, th I think that for me, when you think of Montepulciano, I always think of Emilio Pepe mm -hmm. as like the real deal, mm -hmm. truest expression, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Mm -hmm. He had his own method mm. and clearly didn't want to change. Yeah. Grandfather is a like complicated dude to deal with, as you can imagine. <laughs> but he was, you know, he's strong in his opinion mm -hmm. and he never changed for just because he was very grounded in his opinions. And so he had his own method that we still have it today. So over the year, we've only perfectioned, but never changed the gesture, the act, the solid pillar of paper vinification. So white grapes, Trebbiano and Pecorino are crushed by feet. Mm. So the idea was to have a constant stimulation of skin and juice in a very short amount of time. So 350 kilos are trodden for 45 minutes. How many people are in there? Five. Five at a time. Yeah, five it's at a time. It's a workout. So, oh, yeah, indeed. Yes, so cut. <laughs> Legs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that. And, and it was interesting for Trebbiano because Trebbiano is a neutral grape, but you still wanted to extract mm -hmm. something out of the skins because he thought that, you know, in the skin there was the message. Yes. Right? So. And just for a little bit without, you know, starting the process of oxidation and then going straight into concrete tanks to ferment with spontaneous yeast, clearly. Mm -hmm. uh, grandfather was always in love with concrete. So he started with concrete. We still use the same concrete tanks from 1964. Because it's so that neutral. Is so neutral. Yeah. Got it. Mm. Very easy to clean. Ah, yes. For Montepulciano, we end the stem. Mm -hmm. So again, same process used today. We are four people that push the it's grapes. It's a lot of work. 
yeah. it's a lot of work. It's a lot of physical for, work, yeah. harvest at Pepe. Then there's nothing to do any longer. Like <laughs> <laughs> work in the cellar, like it's done after that. But it's very physical. We use no machines during harvest. It's a lot of manual thing. And I think that's also the reason why I want to stay small because I want to continue to have that manual and practicality to harvest that it's crucially important. So normally mm. I would be like opening a bottle of Emilio Pepe mm. right now. Mm. Like I brought it from the shop, but we're sold out, <laughs> which is the amazing thing about these wines. They sell out. They're incredible. We have more coming, which is really exciting very amazing. soon. Yeah. But I'm curious about you. So what, what are your memories? Like, how did this begin for you? Because it's so badass as the granddaughter. Now you are taking over you're not only respecting what he's done, but you're pushing these ideas even further. Mm. Do you remember like when you were little, were you always into it? Yeah. Always in well, around I, him? I was around grandma and granddad very early on at the stage in which the operation was very small. Mm. Like my mom back then, now she's the owner of the company, but back then she had a different job because the one was so small. So literally she would drop me off and grandma and granddad <laughs> and then go off to work. So basically I just spent a lot of time just with grandma and granddad and follow them, whatever they were their daily activity in so the cellar, awesome. in the vineyard. So I do remember a lot of those hand bottling that they were doing. They were doing bottling by hand wow. and with a hose. And it took forever. Clearly, <laughs> as a six years old, <laughs> those are never ending days. Yeah. Or I remember like, you know, a lot of time just spent with grandfather and grandfather but working in the vineyards, pruning. And he always did his job with incredibly and meticulous attention. But always never felt like a job, never felt like a task. Yeah. Like for him, it was doing something. And and. He's you know? vibing. Yeah. <laughs> you know? He's like out on the like out his on thing. Just being he, he never felt he never felt like a thing that he had to do. He always felt like a normal gesture, almost an instinct that he had to do certain things at a certain time. And he kind of like fell into a normal, natural rhythm with it. And he never and that's why I feel like for me it was I never felt this as a job. I always felt like a, an incredible idea that turned into a project and it, me keeping it alive. And it is true that, yeah, we're pushing boundary in all senses, but it is also important to understand that genetics plays a big role. Sure, yeah. And grandfather was pioneer in all different ways in terms of his with the cultural and winemaking aspect in his you know, sense of ethical respect for the land or for never changing his ideas or his winemaking style. And I feel like we have to keep pioneering in the same way that he did to not only keep the project alive, but to keep expanding his idea even further. I feel it as a responsibility because he set a very high <laughs> standards. I mean, he's 91. He just turned 91 oh last week. Gosh. And he's still dancing on the terrace you're still like <sighs> walking up the hill it was like be careful so, <laughs> right like, I'm like first I hope genetics are gonna work for oh me as well God. second I'm like wow if at 91 is like that like what am I meant to be doing what am I supposed to be what a beautiful be life yes it gave him yeah. more life yeah so 
Can you talk? So have you always like, did you try something else or were you always like, did you go so to school? It, what, what it was cool is that he, he like, you know, he was good at spreading the passion without ever forcing sure. us to. So that was very smart because it was like, yeah, do go do whatever you want. Yeah. But then passion brings you back. Yeah. And there's you no other. The pull of a Bruto. <laughs> yes. It was like yeah. the slow tug. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, I think that is very strong and it's a very smart way of doing it because it never felt forced. So I, I did. Yeah. I, I spent a lot of time here in the U.S. when I was a little girl learning English. And then I studied in Paris oh, cool. during my university. I studied economics. And then there was a moment in which. And then I, I travel a lot spreading the paper gospel, you know, mm -hmm. trying trying to communicate around our techniques and what we were doing. Because people at the beginning, like, loved the wines, but they didn't. It was so geeky and, and so many little details that people didn't know. And I think that was important to let people have a deeper understanding of what our wine was about. So I did that for five or six years. And then I was like, well, talking about wine is not enough any longer for mm. me. So that's uh, the reason I decided to move to Burgundy and go to enology and viticulture school because I didn't have any technical information before. Or like, you know, formation. So I went there, I spent a year there. I worked for an incredible estate. I had the best Which time. Which one did you work for? I worked for Chandon de Briay. Oh, in yeah. Diego. She's yeah. amazing. They're incredible. I, I'm literally, best I met her last year and I was like, I want mm. to come and just hang yeah. out with your horses and mm. you. And yeah. It is like, everything makes a total different sense once That's you work such a, such a foundation, such a cool uh, uh -huh. mixing. Yeah. And then ah, I went back so and then I, yeah, it was my first year in charge of unification 2020. Whoa, you just like, mm, boom. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. any of your cousins, siblings, like, well, yeah. are they, so, is, are more people involved? Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm the oldest of all the third generation. And then my sister, she's currently in charge of all the hospitality at Pepe. Cool. We have a little farm to table restaurant in which we oh serve pretty much like 95% of everything that has been grown at so the estate. So badass, wine, yeah. pasta, olive oil, veggies from the garden. So my little brother is 17 <gasps> and he started to work with me in the vineyards. Oh my gosh, <laughs> so so he says he wants to study enology. So wow. excited. Yeah. Wow, it's so well. special. Everybody yeah. is like really yeah. moths to the Pepe mm -hmm. flame. Yeah. And then my aunt has other two kids, Guy and Alessandro. And they're like 11 and 14. Babies. But hopefully they will come along. And they're Jen taking Whoa. it. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about like the existing way that you all farm? Because my read on the wines is like the farming is so important mm. and a lot of tension there and then the intense cellar work. And that's why the wines, you just leave them alone. So the farming and then also what you are experimenting with in farming. Right. So I had the luck and the honor to inherit incredibly healthy soils. Right. So that is to start with. Grandfather, you know, never, never used any chemicals. So the soils were healthy and alive. So that came also as a responsibility. To give people perspective, yeah. what's an unhealthy soil in a vineyard? What, a like, how soil, would, like, what would it mean to a soil that you as a winemaker? Has never, you know, like, all the microbiology and and fungi, 
compounds into the soil, they live through humidity. So it's important for a soil to be moist and wet mm. and to have organic matter functioning. Right. Organic matter, it's what brings life to the soil and nourish, but also all the microbiology, it's what put in contact and relation roots and soil. Mm. Without that, roots and soil couldn't actually communicate or pass any sort of minerals, nutrients, water. Right. So all that flora is incredibly <laughs> important to be there in order to have vineyards in good health and soil in good health and good communication in between. I wish everybody thought that way. Mm. Yeah. Grandfather never used any chemicals. So that that clearly it's number one killer of every any sort of life in a soil. So it's incredibly important that that it's avoided. So that again as a it came also as a responsibility because I was like, okay, so my role better before being a winemaker is being a farmer. Mm. So and being a farmer, you are responsible of improving the quality of your soil. Right. There's no other Always. way you can think farming because you're trying to, you know, pass on that soil to the next generation. Clearly, you want to give it richer soil and not a poorer soil. Yes. Your reputation's on the line. Right. Based on uh, your soil. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, and also that comes along a climate situation that is massively changing, right? So Currently, yes. The stake is higher at this point because you want a functioning soil on temperature that are more extremes and water and sun that, you know, are less predictable. Right. So first thing that we started putting in action was all year long mulched cover crop. Wow. So, all year. Mm -hmm. So we stopped pretty much and without being dogmatic, but we stopped tilling since I've been back. No till. That's mm -hmm. great. But that is a process, right? Like you don't just go like that. It's a process. You got to prepare your soil, your vines to kind of go in that path. Right. So with the, the idea for me was to have the soils covered, but not just with grass. I just don't like just grass itself. Like it doesn't do much. So it's important to have as many essences and herbs as possible whose roots are functioning and giving to, his, to the soil different compounds and different structuring or nitrogen fixers or biosanificators like they all have a purpose they have a job to in do. that right yeah so the more you have the more effective that thing is going to be and the other thing is like how can i have an auto receipt of that cover crop so that i don't have to enter with the tractor any longer so the idea is to seed the cover crop once let it grow as tall as we can you know we work with pergola so there's mm -hmm. no I don't mind tall cover crop. <laughs> it Sometimes it goes tall. as tall yeah. as me. And then we basically just bend it. So we let it go on flower and then on seed. And then when we bend it, we're basically auto-reseeding. You're creating like a lasagna layer. Yes. Yeah, the layer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And as that layer becomes a solid little packet of decomposing matter, so it's like, protecting like gold. Yeah. <laughs> it's protecting erosion. Right. It's protecting oxidation of topsoil mm. because it's like soil oxidates as much as a wine so crazy so like we would never leave a tank of wine open no. why would we leave a soil open exposed exposed yeah so that it's perfect to protect from erosion and oxidation of topsoil also it's reflecting light 
And underneath that mulched herb, you have like probably four degrees less. Mm. And it's moist, but it's retaining moist moisture. And retaining all the humidity underneath. So microbiologically underneath, it's functioning big time because it's decomposing of of the herbs on top and also letting the moist on the subsoil function. Wow. And with the getting hotter and hotter in the summer, you have to do more and more. Massively important because he's, he's retaining... Is retaining humidity, so it's the, the the soil remains cooler for a much longer time. So that is one thing. The other thing is that we are experimenting with milk treatments, mm. like milk, like Chandon. That's like clearly you the buy room it at the grocery where... store. I give it to my son, right? Like milk, yeah. just straight up milk, milk, yep. milk, milk, vitamin D, diluted in water, okay. and we basically just spray on the leaves. And that acts against cryptogamic diseases, so oedium and mildew. And then the last vineyards that I planted in 2022, March mm. 2022, we planted them in a system of agroforestry. Ah, okay. Can you talk about the mm-hmm. agroforestry? That's so, so interesting. I always thought that vineyards next to forest had a very special thing. Mm. Something was going Magical. on. Magical. So I was like, well, I cannot bring the forest, bring my vineyards to the forest, but I can kind of bring the forest next to my <laughs> vineyards. So I started planting trees all around the perimeters of my vineyards. Wow. And the idea is that, like, you know, pergola is already great for, for global warming because the grapes are already getting ripe in the shade. But I was like, well, situation is getting even more intense. What if I create an extra layer of shading and protection? for my pergolas. It's amazing. And, you know, pergola has already that impulse to verticality because mm-hmm. it grows up as a tree and it's very tall. It's two meters. So the idea of trees is to open up at even higher so that as I'm playing with verticality and everything that we see, I'm also playing with everything that we don't see right. underground. So with trees next to vines, we are reaching deeper level of root system for trees that they're going to support and create synergies with roots of vines and roots of cover crops. But you're also thinking so far in advance. Because well, I kind of need to, because I'm young and yeah. ideally I want to be making wine in the next 30 years, 40 yeah. years. Yeah. <laughs> so I kind of got to figure, figure something out now so that I don't feel bad in But it's, a, but it's incredible because... Mm. No one, I don't think most people in their life, maybe they think about, oh, I want to do this in 10 years. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah. you have to actually take action to affect yeah. and protect. Yeah. But also to me, that is important when I started to understand that global warming or those deregulation in climate didn't arrive all at once. No. Took time for them to arrive and we saw it coming. Mm-hmm. So for probably so long. So we've long. seen it coming. So in order to create a reverse or to have the action that we take now have an impulse and a result, it's going to take time so as long. well. Oh. So we have no time and we know it's going to take us time. Yeah. So the earlier we start, the earlier we're going to start seeing results. And that delta of time, we know it's already there. It, we know it's going to take us time. So for younger farmer. I think it's a responsibility and we feel it because we are the first impacted by global warming. 
What is it like in Abruzzo? Like, what do you think? How do you think it will get impacted the most? It is. What I've learned is that you need to prepare yourself to have your estate ready for extreme heat or extreme cold. It, It gets very cold now. To give you an example, 2021, the season started April 4th with bad break. Mm. And from April 4th till harvest, I had 70 millimeters of water. Wow. That's nothing. Nothing. That's crazy. 2021. 2023, this season, from the second half of May. So in one month, from the second half of May to the first half of June, I had 250 millimeters in one month. Wow. So that tells you. It's like an extreme. extreme. Yeah. So So you have to have the estate ready for everything, whatever is going to happen. So you got to find solutions that are going to work for yourself in both extremes and then wait what is going to happen. But that is, we are required so much more flexibility and also be ready to both. So find solutions that are ambivalent and, and have good quality of, a reflection in both situation. How do you determine, like, these are big, like, weighty things mm-hmm. for you. Mm. And is this stuff you talk about all the time with your team, like your family? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a, a constant con- evolution. It's, like, how well, I think, I feel a lot of this responsibility and I try to make sure that we are all on board and we all make our brain thing around that to find solution constantly because my idea is that I want to kind of like deliver the same wines that grandfather had in mind and wines that are, they have sense of place, wines that are authentic, wines that I speak of terroir. I will never, you know, like those are the kind of wines that I love and grandfather was making. I want to keep making, Mm -hmm. but in order to achieve that, I can't keep doing exactly everything that grandfather was doing back in the days because that will bring me to a totally different direction the wines will be so much different if i will keep doing everything the same i have to invent and take a different route in order to achieve the same style of wine that's great that's the world is a crazy place Mm -hmm. so for the red wines montepulciano yeah so the current release is 2015. Indeed, so yeah. it's like eight years of aging. Yeah. And that's six years in the bottle and two in concrete tank. Yeah. For a wine like that, for a customer, say they're going to go buy it. Mm-hmm. I just taste it. It's very good. <laughs> but what's your opinion? Can you talk about like the ideology of aging wine? It's something that I think really confuses consumers because yeah. there was this like, you know, open it now, natural wine thing that just happened where you like, it's, you're not aging. What does that even mean to now? I think hopefully we're pushing back into this thought process of like patience and like investing in time to like Mm -hmm. watch wine grow, which I've always loved. Mm -hmm. What is the ideology around aging? Like, is it specific to the grape or I would Mm -hmm. love your thoughts on it? So the way I grew up and the way the ethic was around at Pepe is that making natural wine was the closest way you could reach perfection Mm. because you were working so much in tune with nature that you were imitating nature, which is perfect. Yeah, it's so perfect. So 
a lot in within biodynamics work by imitation. Mm. So you're giving like minuscule parcels of a certain thing so that the wines, the vine receive a message and that message is multiplied by imitation. Mm, So that is the idea of like reaching perfection by being in tune with nature. That being said, we've always wanted to make wines that were alive. That was the main principle. So wine that lived of a certain energy. When you have wine that is alive, that has the ability to age virtuously. So through aging, the wine improves Mm. for us the way we've seen it. And we've been working with two great varietals that had very different personality through aging. Mm. You know, Trebbiano is very austere, tight, sharp at first. And then with time, every single element was getting to his own dimension. So minerality was expanding. You know, the volume of the wine was more sure of himself Mm. and the the acidity was becoming sharper. So you have all those elements that they gain more space Mm. and more integration one another. It's like they gain volume. Everything that was compressed and austere at first then tends to open up. And on the other side, Montepulciano that started on the other side (laughs) with a lot of everything, right? A lot of acidity, a lot of energy, a lot of power, a lot of tannins and everything in a chaotic order. With time, the wine was getting to a more organized order. Mm. It was becoming more complex. It was becoming more detent and relaxed and complex and refined. And Grandfather, I think, was always very ambitious also in that term. Like he was always expecting a lot out of his wine. He never wanted to make an easy, simple wine to be drink to be drunk right away he wanted a wine that could age because it could perform even better and even at a higher quality of vibration and complexity and just being more interest interesting and and the wine becomes more interesting with time it's like your intellectual companion big time yeah it's like it's like lily you can make a easy drinking wine and you drink without thinking about sure but there was always an intellectual stimulation that our wines were demanding and that that grandfather asked out of his wines as well. And he thought that the only way he could achieve an higher level of elevation and expression out of those two great varietals was time. Love that. Mm. What a cool guy. (laughs) And we tasted the other day when we were together the 84, which was just like, it's like Mm. big Mm. chef's kiss. Mm. It was so Mm. cool. Mm. I have two more questions for you. And this has been so cool. I could literally talk to you for hours. This is sort of a like a cheeky question, but like, how does it feel nowadays? And maybe, I don't know that like people like LeBron James, like he loves a medium <laughs> You know, like there's yeah. these like, I mean, it's such an, in, I love this sort of swing of wine collectors and it's become such a bigger, more inclusive thing. Like how did that feel for you and your family? I have to say pretty incredible for the sense that a wine that comes from like an unknown region, let's say that, made by a family and we're like, 
we are a generation of farmers. Yeah. Like that we've been making wine in a very artisanal, analogic way. <laughs> yeah. Gets renowned worldwide. Yeah. By people like LeBron James. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, <laughs> it's so, so cool. weird. It's like so cool. it is, it is, you know, it is incredible. Like it's awesome. It's something that you'll never expect. Because at the end, what we do is like we work hard in our vines and we try to build like a good passionate team and you know we care about wine making and that that's all where all our energy and attentions are poured into and then everything that comes after is like a just propagation of of whatever we're trying to spread goodness around but that's that's where it's incredible to receive so much energy back ah oh, it's so dope i mm. curate like sellers for people in la you know, burying people. Mm-hmm. And I always, if I can, put Pepe in their cellar because I know that it will probably hang out for a minute. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it's such a safe place for you. Yeah. And the person yeah. will appreciate it so much. Yeah. I love doing that. Okay, <laughs> last question. When, like, when you're not drinking Emilio Pepe wines, mm-hmm. what are your favorite wines to drink? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know, it's so mm-hmm. dumb. <laughs> but it's such a great question. I drink a lot of other stuff. Like it's okay. a Wednesday First, night. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I had a long day. Mix, mix things. Yeah. But or current really, obsession. Like, they're a, lo- a lot in tune with our style of farming because that's also there are a bunch of, you know, winemaking and, and agriculture and viticulture is a community. Of course. And yeah. it's it's incredible. And it feels so comforting to know that you have 30 people you can call when you have a problem. Yeah. <laughs> and so it is incredible because everybody has gone through your same process or phases or problem. So it feels, you know, like, you know. A community. Yeah. I mean, when uh-huh. you were talking about your cover crop, it's different. But I was thinking about when I visited Christian Cheetah and like he was mm-hmm. talking about passionately about composting Mm -hmm. and it's very Mm -hmm. interesting and it's sort of secretive too but not really but it's just like I that community is deep and strong so important so we we love to follow each other and and see I think that that for me has been the most fascinating thing like the people that I grew up with are now improving and I like seeing that there's there's nothing best you can ask for. Like seeing your friends improve in their wine making in the same path that you are in is like incredible. Uh, so what do I drink? I, I started <laughs> like when I was very the first wine I ever bought was a uh, Brise from Clorougeard. Oh, cool! Yeah, casual. But it uh, <laughs> was back Chen- then in which the Chenin price yeah, so much was. Che- I remember when I started buying, I was like, "Woo! I could buy. I got cases of it. Mm-hmm. It's much less expensive." Yeah. You still have some? I know. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> oh, nine is my favorite. Oh. And then I've been, you know, I, I'm in love with Bolnay. Oh. I like Bolnay a lot. I think it has the sex appeal. That, Bolnay and Burgundy. Mm, the Flatlands. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm, so I've been in love with Lafarge since oh, yeah. forever. But all the so good. newer producers that are doing incredibly well there, I'm pretty excited about. I love Piemonte. And Duscany to the oh. max, and lots of very good friends there that I like to drink their wines. So, Carlotta Rinaldi mm. and and Roania. Those wines are so great. Makes me want yeah. to drink wine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I love Marino Colleoni in oh, Tuscany. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Paradiso di Manfredi, Stelle oh. Campana. So it's just like, you know, 
So you got the best. Mm. I love it. Yeah. I love the direction. It was like, I met you the other day. I feel like, I think we've met before, but I was like, oh my gosh, you're so special. And wow. the wines are so special. And I just was so happy I could share some of this with the wine face community because they like love wine and they don't know these stories, you know, and I think it's really important. So thank you so much. You. I know you have such a busy day. No, so I really always. appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Oh my God, of course. I loved it. Cheers. Yay. Isn't she just the best? I could talk to her for hours. I try not to have the episodes be too long, but you know what? Message me. If you were like, I could have done 30 more minutes with Kiara or when we have winemakers, I'd love to know. But she's so inspiring. So much to think about as we are moving in a very crazy world right now. But these wines are so special and she's so special and this family is incredible. So Everybody book your flight to Abruzzo. I'm just kidding. I hope you loved it. And I'm so stoked to be back. If you want to learn more or follow along, I forgot to ask Kiara, but her Instagram is at Emilio Pepe. And you can always check me out at Helen's Wines on Instagram or helenswines.com. We do gifts, wine club. Check it, check it out. Talk to you next time. Bye.